Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Crynant. My name's Julie J and I have a quick favour to ask. Well, two really. Firstly, if you could download this episode of Crynant, I would be eternally grateful as this is what counts towards charts. And also, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you could take the time to rate or review us on iTunes. As a little incentive, I have some snazzy merch to give away to anyone who leaves us a five-star review. So please leave your Instagram handle or your Twitter handle in the review so I can DM you and I can forward on that snazzy little merch I have going on at the moment and also a quick shout out to the gorgeous people who have reviewed the podcast so far your kind words have been so lovely and if you could dm me on instagram at Judy J comedy I can send you on some of those merchy bits I mentioned just as a little thank you for reviewing us already a quick disclaimer as well that absolutely no offense is meant to any of the people discussed in this episode. And we always strive to discuss these topics in a human and empathetic way. This week, I'm talking to... Hello, Blind America. Yay! About the death Yay. of Marilyn Wren. Let me tell you about this story. I, I don't know. Have you heard of this one? I think as I go to the details, you might have heard of it. Okay. Um, so this is the case of Marilyn Wren. So Marilyn Wren, in December 1995, she was 40 years of age. She was unmarried and had no children of her own, was really close to her nieces and nephew, who lived around the corner from her in Blanche, in Blanchardstown in Dublin, oh, with her brother and sister. No, yes, yes. You probably have heard oh, of this. Okay. Great. Sorry. I don't I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just No, please interrupt. Exclaiming this is, in shock. This is like <laughs> I totally want you to interrupt. So please okay. do. Yes. Brill. Your, your input is very, very welcome. So 
Uh, Marilyn was five foot five. She had short brown hair and brown eyes. She loved aerobics and sports, and she was really active in the girl guides, of which her nieces were members. She was also, this is very handy, I think, she was great buddies with her sister-in-law, who was married to her brother. So she had a really nice relationship with the family, and she would often babysit the nieces and nephews and all that. So she was very close to them. And on Monday, the 18th of December, 1995, she went around to her brother's house, and they had dinner and a little cake as Marilyn had just celebrated turning 40. So obviously kind of a big deal and they had a little celebration for her. The next day she called around to her sister-in-law again where she told her that after work on Thursday the 21st of December she was planning on attending her Christmas party in Rohini. At this time Marilyn was working in the Department of the Environment. So Thursday rolls around and after work she went out with her colleagues and had a few drinks in Tower Street before they headed out to Rohini to the Sheeling Hotel where they were going to have like a meal and music. So the usual kind of Christmas work party affair. This is very, this is like very telling for someone like me that lives in central Dublin, right? Because to me, right, if you say Blanche, I'm like, that's too far away. If you say Swords, I'm like, that's too far away. If you say Tala, like anywhere that's not in town is far away for me. So I can't imagine being in Tara Street, which is city centre, and then going, do you know where we go? Rahini. You know, it does seem. It's nowhere near Blanche. It does seem. It does seem. No, it's not. I mean, it's like, it's north side, but I mean, Blanche is basically kind of, it is Dublin West, really. It's like north west. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's not close once, at all. I once accidentally got on a bus to Rahini because I was going, this is when I was like fucking 19 or something like that. And I was supposed to be going to my boyfriend's house. I accidentally got on the wrong bus. I got on the 29A instead of the 27B or something like that. Word up to Kulak. And (laughs) I accidentally got to Rahini and started crying because I didn't know where I was. That's how much of an inner city dub I am is that if I get to like Dublin, what is it? Nine or five? No, it's not nine because... I don't know, I know. I, but I was like thinking five as you, like... as you were saying there um as you were talking about um going to Rohini on the bus I had just in my head and R.I.P. Liam O'Reilly of Bagatelle who passed away this week but in my head Aww. I was just hearing a remix of their famous Summer in Dublin song so I jumped on a bus to Rohini <laughs> this is just you're schooling me on all the, these songs these I, Irish lilts oh, I'm I making know. you I'm making you a playlist and I'm sending Great. it to you and tell me <laughs> where exactly where exactly are you from in Dublin again Blimey. I'm from Fairview in Dublin 3 that's that's which, pretty central that is very central literally like you get on a bus you're 10 minutes in good traffic you know that kind of thing like it's it's very very close we could walk to town from from my from my uh childhood home in like 45 minutes that is insane that is so yeah i mean no wonder you'd be be on o'connell street in half an hour for sure oh that is so central I didn't yeah, know you were yeah. such a little town rat. I love it. Cause, I, I mean, I know exactly what you mean about your having your drinks in town. It does seem counterintuitive to leave town to go to your work party. To go to Rahini. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is when Rahini switches off. We're not saying anything derogatory about Rahini, but I would so always sorry, be Rahini. slow to leave. I would be slow to leave town to go anywhere, really, if I'm having a few Exactly. Coffees. If you told me maybe like you were going to Fairview, then fine, because that's still <laughs> near the town. Like, and that's near my house. But like, if you were to, if you were to say, oh, we're going to go into town and then go pretty much back. And 
I mean, it's not as far as Blanche, I don't think. This is as well, this te- tells you how much I know about geography. Like, I couldn't well, tell you. I wouldn't be able to point at Blanche on a map. Blanche, I mean, again, this is where Blanche switches off. Blanche, we love you. Stick with it. But no, it is, I mean, I think it just, it, it's just for me personally, I would have always gone out in town if I was in Dublin. It was very rare for me to go out outside of the city centre. Exactly. But I guess... And I will- Go on, love. <laughs> I'll add to your disclaimer there because the thing is, Blanche and Rahini, do please stick with us. I'm not insulting you. I'm insulting myself. Oh, no, I'm we know that. that. I don't no. know. I don't know enough about anywhere that's not my place. It's like, I, it's terrible, really. I'm no, such, it's you know not. When people, Stop it. You know when people from the country, as in Colchis, <laughs> which this we won't This is when the country even, switches off. <laughs> We're so only you know going to be left with Fairview. But you know when people from the country give out about Dubliners, yeah. I'm the person that they're giving out about. I'm the model bitch that they are giving out about. That's and I and I look, I agree with you. You I'm concur. You. you are that I bitch. Do. And we I love bitch. that bitch for sure. 100% that. <laughs> no, but it is. I completely agree. It's so funny you say that because actually when I first encountered the story, that was my initial thought when I heard the Rahini thing. Is well. I was like, would you leave Tara Street and go to Rahini? But look, it's where <laughs> the party was. It, yeah, yeah it, it's it. where the party was. So that's why she went out to Rahini. So they had the meal, they had the bit of music. And after things had finished up, she left, Marilyn left to say, and she was saying that she was going to go and meet former co-workers from the Central Statistics Office, which uh, she had left two years earlier. So Marilyn was then seen in O'Connell Street in Eddie Rockus by a former colleague who she had previously worked with. So he bumped into her there. So and she went he, back to, yes. from Rahini to O'Connell. Sorry, I'm trying to follow this now. Yeah, okay. there is. You see, this is the thing. And because it was the mid-90s, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of CT- CCTV um, available in this mm. story. So the only real CCTV they found was on the buses. Because, of course, this is the mid-90s in Ireland. It's not... Obviously, nowadays you'd have CCTV everywhere, but this was not the case then. So there are gaps in the story. So she was walking with a, a, a person she worked with in Rohini towards a taxi rank and was like, oh, you know, I'm actually going to head off and meet some of the lads that she would have worked with a couple of years earlier. And then there is a gap. And she is then seen in Eddie Rockets by a former colleague. But she was on her own. The former colleague themselves didn't give much details as such. They had just kind of bumped into her and it was like a quick hello kind of thing. So she was definitely seen there. But you would ask yourself, was she meeting someone or what was going on that she was in that Eddie Rockets on O'Connell Street? Because if you're going to Blanche, it does seem... It's it's not en route. So if you're getting a taxi in Rohini, you would think that you would just go straight home to Blanche. But for some yeah, reason, she would. Yeah, she went back yeah. into town. So nobody knows why she went back into town. Okay, and um, wait. I'm sorry, what time was this? So this would have been, um, so I think it was between, oh yeah, it was between two and three in the morning. And Eddie Rockets is still open. Oh, Gosh, yeah, those, you know those it, Those are the days. Well, you know what I really miss? What I, I mean, love a bit of Eddie Rockets. Love a bit of Eddie, Eddie Rockets. Fun. Empty your pockets, Eddie Rockets. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. I, love, I love a bit of Eddie Rockets for sure. So the next day, which was the Friday, Marilyn was late for work, which was unusual, but her colleagues kind of thought nothing of it, given that it was the day after the night before. At 11, someone in the office called her house to see was everything okay, but received 
received no answer. So nobody picked up. But again, they just presumed that she was maybe still in bed or whatever. So for a few days, her absence was not given much thought. Now, I guess coming back to this, like we have to understand because you kind of think, oh, but surely, you know, if after a day or two, you know, nobody had heard from her, people would be, you know, getting alarmed or contacting the guards or whatever. But like, this is the busiest weekend in the calendar for everyone. So I suppose it's the thing of that, again, this is a time before mobiles. Somebody could easily presume, okay, well, that person is probably in so-and-so's house and that's not the case. And people can kind of maybe fall between two stools a little bit. So Mm. what happened was that Christmas Eve came around and there was no sign of Marilyn, but they just presumed that she was kind of doing her own thing because usually she would go to her parents' house for Christmas. And when that didn't happen, they kind of presumed that she had made alternative arrangements. And then Christmas Day, obviously it came and went. Stephen's Day, her brother was at that point saying to himself, okay, something is amiss here. So he called around to her house and when he didn't get an answer, went to the guards to report his sister Marilyn missing. Now at that point, Marilyn had not been seen in six days. So the guards obviously wasted no time going door to door, questioning locals and appealing to witnesses to come forward. Because at that stage, unfortunately, like she had been gone for a long time at that point yeah these days it's like what 48 hours yeah I mean like you see so that's why when you come back to this you're kind of thinking oh that is a long time before you go to the guards but then the flip side is you know when somebody is single like I know when I was single I was very much doing my own thing that like Mm. at the same time when it's such a busy time period as well for families you can understand why maybe it took the extra couple of days before the guards were notified on this so witnesses said that they had seen Marilyn on the Friday so this is when things get a bit hairy so they're asking people in Blanche like have you seen Marilyn like you know trying to just pinpoint the last time that she was spotted and a 13 year old boy comes forward to say that he had seen Marilyn on the Friday morning which was the 22nd and that he had seen her talking to his sister and that he she had also been seen on the bus by another neighbor so they have two witnesses saying that they had seen marilyn on the bus going into town that morning so they think okay that is the last sighting of Marilyn. And also a friend of Marilyn says that Marilyn had called her on the morning of Friday the 22nd. Remember, this is like the era of landlines. So that before she went to work, she had called her to say that she was going into town that evening and had arranged to meet her after work. So they're like, okay, we have a couple of people who are saying that they either saw or were talking to Marilyn the day after the work party. Okay, so the work... Not, sorry, I'm, it's not that I'm, I am so, my attention span has been affected oh, no, by the lockdown. I love, so, I love you asking questions and just, <laughs> oftentimes, no, because oftentimes I probably need a bit of clarity myself. So go for it. So the work party was on a Thursday night. Yes. Okay, Thursday. And then there's witnesses saying that she, and then, then someone saw her later on the Thursday night as in early Friday morning. And then there's witnesses saying that they saw them the next morning as in the morning, morning of Friday. Yes. Great, great, great. I'm on board. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But but the brother hasn't gone to the guards until Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday. Yes, not until Monday. 
the guards were working off the assumption that Marilyn had made it home and disappeared on the Friday. But the fact that Marilyn had completely disappeared was definitely a cause of huge worry as it was really out of character for her. She was a really considerate, punctual person, not like me, who would always check in with family and friends. So a search of her house also suggested that she hadn't planned to go MIA because there were cards on the kitchen table. She still had presents under the tree. Like it seemed like this was somebody that was getting ready for Christmas. So nothing was adding up. And then a body was found. So a body was found okay. on the beach in Port Marnock and was sent for a post-mortem. And Marilyn's family obviously feared the worst when they heard this news. But the body was identified as that of Denise Myers. However, nonetheless, Marilyn's family would say that at this point, they presumed that Marilyn was dead because they hadn't heard from her. And at this point, we're talking about over a week. So they were presuming at this stage that she was dead. So on Friday, the 6th of January, guards appealed to the taxi driver who had driven Marilyn from Rohini to town on the Thursday night to come forward. They also appealed to anyone who'd been in Eddie Rockets and anyone who would have taken the night link. So they were working off the theory that Marilyn had... But getting she had gotten the night link to Bantrystown because that is what she had told the former colleague that she saw on Eddie Rockets that night, that she was getting the mm-hmm. night link home to Blanche. So then they were asking people to come forward because actually, which is quite, it's a bit depressing to think of it, but they had CCTV. The bus, basically Dublin bus, did keep CCTV of the buses, but they generally only kept it. And do you remember this period when the poor bus drivers, I think they have like a protective glass now, but back in the 90s, they were being attacked on the bus and getting robbed for cash and things like that. So they only Mm. really kept the footage just if someone was, if a driver was attacked. And if there was no issue with the driver, they they destroyed it after four days. So they didn't actually, yeah, so they didn't have any footage from the buses, which is really frustrating because, of course, that's what they were trying to ascertain. Did she get Yeah. Especially in these days when, I mean, maybe it's because, as you said, like I listen to a lot of true crime, but there's some stuff that doesn't, you know, people don't start investigating some stuff until fucking 10 years later. I know, I know. So So you really hope that these things be kept. Imagine, like imagine you were on a bus and something happened to you on a bus and then the CCTV wasn't kept because the well, I, I mean, you'd imagine, you'd imagine they've changed that now because at the time yeah, they destroyed it after like four days, which seems a bit premature. But I, I think with the advent of digital, surely mm. they probably would hang up. You'd, you'd hope so. That's true. I do have to give them more credit because like, I mean, there's only so much floor space that we can be taken up with all these videos from videos of well, like drunk cards on the, you know, drunk junior cert students well this is true you would hope that Dublin bus wouldn't put an RT on it do you remember when RT destroyed their archives just just because they needed the floor space you're like guys no (laughs) too soon too soon get a rental get a little like storage space a storage unit like surely if you're trying to save space like just take a table away from the canteen don't destroy all the archives (laughs) true true exactly come on RTE get it together this is when RTE switches off okay so as the investigation (laughs) continued the guards now this is really heartbreaking the guards Mm. soon realised that the witnesses who had seen Marilyn on the Friday who had claimed to see her when they asked for description of their, her clothes, they realised that they were describing clothes that Marilyn had been wearing on the Thursday. 
So they came to the conclusion mm. that these witnesses had actually been mixed up on their days and not seen Marilyn on the Friday, but had actually seen her getting the bus on Thursday morning. Because why would she go home and put on the same clothes? Like, you just wouldn't do that. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be like me at all, at all, at all. I would never do that. (laughs) Well, let's face it. I, I I have two pandemic jumpers and I have said that I am effectively Sarah Lund now in the kidding because I have two jumpers which I rotate. But like when I was working, I might have three outfits, but you'd rotate them, wouldn't you? You would, you know, you might change it up a bit the following day. Not, no, 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 not after a party. Not after well, if I've been drinking. Absolutely yeah. not. Then my clothes are on the floor from yesterday when I got changed in a hurry to go to the Christmas party. And then I put them straight home, back same on. Clothes, straight back on, same knickers and everything. You're going but would you not the think then, would you not even just change a scarf or something so people would know you've gone home and you've changed the knickers? No. I don't get, I'm not I'm not expecting that I'm going to be murdered. You know? Well, I was so going to say, you see, this is the like... problem, Pauline. If you go missing and the guards are saying, well, she, you know, I think if they say to me, you're mixed up in your days there because right, she right. was wearing I... the same clothes and I'd have to explain, no, that was blowing. That's what she did. Yeah, this is the most compelling argument that I've ever heard for changing up my outfits, to be for honest. For changing but... the Knicks. Honest. Well, no, look, right. Okay. I'll give you that. I do change the Knicks every day, no matter what. No! At the po- to the point, thank you very much. To the point where when I was about like 23, in my very, very single days, I used to carry spare Knicks with me so that I could have a little one night stands. Left, oh, right and listen, I yeah. used to have a spare Knickers in my handbag. I'd love to say it was because in case I was off scoring, but generally I would end up staying in my GBF's house, Eamon. Shout out to Eamon. And oh, I just, I'd carry the Knicks. One. Yeah, I'd carry the Knicks in case I was staying over in Amos, which invariably yeah, I was, no. let's face it. I always had it. I always had Knicks and mascara. My mother used to refer to it as a slough pack. It's very, it was oh, very nice. effective. So the Knicks would always be changed, but you wouldn't see those from the outside. So this is the most compelling argument that I've heard for changing the outside of my clothing so that well, in listen, case I'm murdered and people need to know what day they saw me on. It's just, it's food for thought, but look, you do yeah. you. I'll give it a go. I'll give it, a, I'll give it, I'll have, I'll sleep on it and we'll see. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely food for thought. But I mean, in this instance, imagine now as a guard, you're thinking, oh, fuck, like that's actually completely, I mean, it's kind of like made these witness statements pretty much redundant because they're talking about the Thursday. So as a result, they refocused the investigation because now it looked like she actually had not made it home on that Thursday night at all. So, so Sunday, January 7th, um, 7th of January, I hate that Americanism. I often do that. I apologize. So the 7th <laughs> of January, they decide to search the Toka Valley Park in Blanchardstown. So Tolka, Toka, I hope I'm saying that right. It's Tolka. Is it Tolka? Sorry, it's the it's river, Tolka, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's apologies. Still a dub, yeah. Still a dub. You're like, I'm an inner still city dub. dub, but I know it's the Tolka. But it's the, okay. it's the fucking Tolka. <laughs> the Tolka Valley Park Tolka. in Blanchardstown. <laughs> so they start searching and there was no okay so there was a shortcut that went through the park that cut 20 minutes off Marilyn's walk home and this was a popular route from the village to um to where the estate where Marilyn lived so it was also known as an area as well which saw a lot of antisocial behavior they brought in dogs to comb the area and quickly discovered okay quickly discovered 
a naked body of a woman lying face down in the undergrowth and her clothes, which matched Marilyn's, were laid in a pile near the area and close to this area where the body was discovered, a handbag was also found, which contained Marilyn's wallet, ID and ATM card. Oh, God. Yeah. So because poor Marilyn had been lying dead for a week and a half, they actually had to use dental records to identifier because obviously we're talking about very bad weather it had been particularly bad that week and by Monday the results of the post-mortem were in and just a bit of a trigger warning for our listener she had been raped and strangled that was the cause of death so it's so terrible so when returning so she's sorry now she was lying there for a week and a half before anyone even thought to check the local park no, I know it does sound bad, doesn't it? But then when I kind of <laughs> read up, do. when I do, did read up on it, um, what I would say is, is that, so there was kind of like an embankment. So she was found kind of the other side of the embankment. So it mm. wouldn't have necessarily been like, it, it wasn't like right off the walkway. So you would have probably have had to been looking for something to find the body there. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I you know see, what if you mean. If someone's you missing, think, yeah, you would think kind of obvious choice to search the park, and it, obviously as well when you factor in that it was a pathway she would have used a lot. Like there, there are certainly questions for sure. Yeah, it's the, yeah. this. That's the first place we should be looking at the route, the route that she would take home, and yeah. Yeah, like I it's just think that like, that's, yeah, it's look, not great. it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's it's the Gardies' fault. Yeah, <laughs> this is where I the Gardies the, switch off. It's this is what well the guard. Let me tell you, the guard switched off a long time ago, and uh, I'm not. Look, I'm not just talking about my father. Okay, I'm no. talking about the guards in general. <laughs> but no, you're right. Look, let's face it. You want to be kind to people here, but it really isn't great. It would be very frustrating as a family member to hear that that is where that was, your beloved family family yeah. member was found like it's not like yeah. even if even if it takes the brother six days then they should be searching that park on the sixth day like yeah. that's it's, you know she should be lying the, out there no longer than it takes to report her missing it's after definitely that everything too long. is yeah, yeah it's it's definitely too long and then mm. there were another things there were a couple of other things then that happened so the body was found and then they established that and this is I found this confusing as well if I'm honest the friend who Marilyn ran it materialized that she had been mixed up in her days and again you do think wow like that's kind of probably a pretty big thing to be mixed up on that you thought that she rang you on the Friday but again I suppose busy week you know we're talking about landlines it's hard to maybe pinpoint the days etc you don't have phone records and I sure I know you know yourself as a comedian you never know what day it is yeah actually do you know what now now that you say it I take it back because that is very true but but if she has a nine to five, though, then that's when you're supposed to know the days. Well, yeah, it just struck me as strange that I don't know. But look, again, I, it is, of course, all these things are for Who knows? So door to door questioning did confirm that some locals had heard screaming the night the, on that Thursday night. But at the time, they had thought nothing of it because it was obviously very late. And it was an area which did attract a lot of antisocial behavior. So they kind of took no notice of it. But again, you are thinking, mm-hmm. okay, like, would it pique your interest? However, if I'm honest, we've all heard something late yeah. at night and not followed it up. So again, well, look, that's pretty I live in Temple Bar. 
I hear a lot of screaming. I hear yes. a lot of fights. I hear a lot of a lot of shit. Sure, earlier I heard the guards telling some homeless people to fuck off. <gasps> um, oh. And they were just sitting there. They were just sitting there. They weren't doing anything. They weren't bothering anyone. But they told them to fuck off. I looked out the window. It got a little bit rowdy. They Everybody moved on. But my point is, there's always something outside the window. And for the most part, there's no point in me really even going to look because it's just going to, it's just going to pass. However, then let's say four days later, I see in, or in around Temple Bar, someone's gone missing or there is some kind of, there's something. Then that's when I'm going, oh, yeah. I actually looked out the window and, or I actually heard a scream or whatever. It's retrospective, you know? isn't it? I stopped, some, I stopped some lads robbing a bike last night because I was making my dinner, heard them outside. You looked absolute out the window, hero. Like, <laughs> but I didn't even do it in a heroic way. I just went, I can see his... And then they just walked on, of course, because they're little, just young. They lads, didn't like. even run. They just no, no. They were just on. like, they were just like, yeah, yeah, no. And you see, if they had seen, if they knew where my voice was coming from, they would have looked up. They would have been like, we were just looking at it. Like they wouldn't have. You know, but they were kicking it, trying to break the lock. But my point is that to me, I'm not going to call the guards on them trying to rob a bike and me seeing it, like because they're in Temple Bar and like what the guards aren't going to do. Look, I won't even get into the guards. However. If I was to hear then, oh, six lads of this age were involved in something else later on the yeah. same night, then that's when I start to go, oh, I saw those lads. Like, yes, it's like, I think or, it's like, yeah, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's yeah. retrospective and you're putting it all together. Exactly. So like once they hear that someone's after going missing around that area, they should be thinking, oh, we, I actually heard some screams that night. I mean, the cogs should be moving, surely. This is it. Yeah, this you would think. It. I mean, and again, forgivable, but, you know, that's what we would be thinking looking at this now. So Everybody the guard, has their own lives. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> so the guards had told the Pope, so they told the Pope, pu- pu- public, they told the public, the public, <laughs> that the attacker would have had muddy clothes and had scratches from Marilyn fighting him off. So they were trying to obviously locate this, this person, this assailant. And the investigation was huge with 70 guards determined to track down Marilyn's killer. So they were working off the theory that she had perhaps gone into Eddie Rockets to meet somebody but again nobody could remember Marilyn saying that she was meeting anyone specific so they were unsure why she went into the Eddie Rockets and they did search the Tolka River for also for clues but nothing materialised they also found the taxi driver who had driven Marilyn into town that night but frustratingly um, he could offer nothing in the way of detail. Now, they did have a couple of suspects. They had, so there was a woman who came forward and said she had been followed home. She had been, first of all, which is like your worst fear in a night link, that she had woke up oh. um, to a guy basically like groping her on the bus. She'd gotten off the bus in Blanche and this guy had followed her, but thankfully she then spotted this guy, really clever girl. She spotted this guy, just a stranger walking on the other side of the road. And she had gotten him to pretend she was her boyfriend and the guy fecked off. But that yeah. guy came forward and they ruled him out of their inquiries. That's such risky business as well, though, because like, oh, that's interesting that he came forward. But that's Isn't so it? risky because, yeah. you know, if you were really scared, like I know as a woman, I, sure, and I'm I'm such a combative bitch, but like, so I'd probably get myself into this trouble in the first place for starting fights. But like, but if I was, if I was feeling threatened, it's such a risk to go up to another man 
who you yes. don't know yeah and and put your kind of like safety you're scared of this man so you're going to hedge your bets now I know on this it's... other guy that could easily either join up with your man or he could easily like be like oh fuck off or he could easily you know do worse to you because you yeah. kind of trusted him for a second he might go like oh yeah well she's and look I'm not trying to demonize all men but this is these are the things that we have to face so that's actually really no great. and ultimately that's kind of you know that's I think clever. every every night of your life when you're in that situation yeah. and walking home you are you're weighing up, okay, if something, if something happened now, what could I do? You're kind of, you're scoping the place. I mean, this is like a female experience. Like ultimately you're kind of constantly in survival mode. And it's funny you say that because I did think that as well. I was like, it's like so smart to go about it that way, but also it is probably taking a bit of a risk. So you're just in that moment, I suppose, weighing up the risk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There are stories of people horror stories yeah there's stories of men driving up to women and being like oh there's a guy following you do you want to get in here and then in that situation you don't know which man to trust i know it's it's (laughs) just it's so awful and i thought i also thought it was interesting that your man came forward yeah okay so he came forward saying i'm the pervert from the bus yeah (laughs) and you know what i didn't kill anyone i was thinking about that and again just assuming you know within the context of uh, 90s misogyny i'm sure he came along and said listen just, you know, because they released a photo fit of this guy. So he, I guess okay. he kind of had to come forward. And he yeah. probably said, oh, listen, I don't know what your one's on about. Like, I She's got off the crazy. bus. And, yeah. So let's face <laughs> it, that was probably the conversation in Blanchardstown Garda Station. Like, that's yeah. probably what happened. And True. then there was another suspect. So this guy who was an acquaintance of Marilyn's. So we don't know how he was acquainted with her. But he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital in for psychiatric care in the early half of 1996. Mm. And then it, basically it was, um, I suppose, it was following his, um, how he wasn't charged, but he was declared a person of interest in relation to a sexual assault. And then li- later that year, he did actually commit suicide this man oh, right. um, so he okay. was kind of ruled as a person of interest now I use mm. that term and it's it's an Americanism as well because it's not like a legal term as such here but the guards were interested in speaking to him as well and he mm. was seen as a potential suspect but again was ruled out um, so they ruled him out as well and then there was also this guy and this potential suspect had been released a couple of months earlier, was living in the Blanchardstown area and had served a prison term. Now, I can't believe, so this is like 1995 and he committed this crime in 1983. So he got out after 12 years and his crime had been, he had actually sexually assaulted and murdered a 17 year old girl in 1983 and he had just been mm. released two months earlier. So... Three men were questioned, formally questioned on the 28th of January, but including this potential suspect who had just been released. But ultimately, all these three guys were released without charge. Now, they had alibis or whatever. Yeah. So the guards were like, look, unfortunately, we're pretty sure it was none of these three. So three Mm -hmm. men, so that obviously, you know, they, they were ruled out. Now, semen had been found on Marilyn's body. So they collected a series of DNA samples from possible perpetrators. 
And they kind of just, I guess, hit a bit of a wall. Like, I mean, ultimately they checked the database and at this time there was no like centralized DNA database. So like you could only keep the DNA for, which this is insane, for six months. I know. But I mean, this is like the whole argument as well, that there really shouldn't be a statute of limitations on things like murder or rape or whatever. No, because, of course I mean, not. Absolutely well, It doesn't not. matter that you got away with it. Like that's that's a prize for getting away with it for yeah. a certain amount of it's, time. It, yeah, it's it's really... Now, thankfully, okay, that has since changed. But sure, uh, when it comes right. to the, 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 you know, keeping the DNA, but like it just, it, it just meant that the guards hit a wall and they had no match for the DNA and... Ultimately, they took a step away from it. They came back in March. So a couple of months later, they came back and kind of went back to the start, going back to witnesses, looking over the questionnaires that they had handed out to see were there any inconsistencies. And then at the end of that month, they had a list of 70 people that they just wanted to talk to, basically was how they Mm -hmm. referred to it. Now, while uh, while talking to people, they did happen upon... One incons- an inconsistency in one man's statement. So they had handed out these questionnaires and there was one statement which they came back to and thought, oh, okay, like there's something not quite adding up there in terms of the story. So this guy called David Lawler was a married father of one and he had another child on the way. He was living in the area but originally held, hailed from Balting, Balting Class in Wicklow. He had admitted to walking home that night but when he said he had gotten home, um, he said he'd gotten home at about five. A neighbour had, had actually told the guards that they had seen him returning home about quarter to four. So that was the inconsistency. They were like, okay, that's okay. something that doesn't add up. It, you know, it seems small, but they were like, look, it's worth going back talking to him. And they, he'd also said that he had actually seen a jogger as he had cut through the park that night. So he had gone on this route, he had walked through the park, and he had said that he had spotted this guy jogging in the park. So they were like, we need to talk to this guy because this is the first mention of a jogger. So on Mm. Tuesday, the 6th of August, so a few months later, uh, David Lawler's DNA had been matched to the DNA found on Marilyn's body. Bastard. Yeah, so they had brought yeah. him in for questioning and at some point asked him to supply his DNA. Now, again, you're wondering, you know, that did take a bit of time, but I suppose to be fair to them, they were reviewing the questionnaires, etc., and looking for inconsistencies. So the DNA was and a match. Well, DNA is, yeah, DNA is very, like, the technical um, advancements that they made in DNA in, like, the 80s and 90s is mad. Like, yes, so that's very true. They're still getting used to it. They're still trying to figure out what to test for and how to test for. Plus, it's Ireland. We're far behind, like, the States or whatever. And, they, you know? and, and you're you spot know. on, Blaheen, because I actually forgot to say this. And in their defense, they had to send the DNA to the UK because we didn't even have a lab here that would test it. <laughs> because... Because this was the first murder uh, ever in Ireland. I mean, like, it's just so frustrating. But, so this guy, David Lawler, now he was kind of, I suppose, he was known as a bit of a, a, bit of a strange fish. Uh, so he had a long ponytail, uh, which meant that he got this nickname in the area called Jesus, but he was just known as a bit of a bit of an oddball. And he yeah. did have a serious, serious drinking problem. He also worked for Telecom Aaron. Do you remember that? Those good old I do days. indeed. And he had racked up a huge bill watching porn on premium websites. So all in all, this guy was just ick. 
Okay. Well, we're okay with porn now, in fairness. And we're okay with paying for Pay for your porn. Very important. I mean, I just think, yeah, definitely pay for your porn. Back then, though. These days is different to back then. But I'm not, I'm just saying in terms of like, if you're watching the porn in work on the, you know, on the work computer, I think that's a bit I did not realize that it was at work. That's my yes. bad. Okay, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, but so, actually, you're right, because I, the way I'm looking at my syntax here, and it's really bad. Yes, yeah, so no. he racked, he racked the, these these bills up in work. Now, I'm not quite sure. Like, he worked for Telecom Aaron. Like, surely if anyone is going to cop to these, like, to, exactly. these, to these, like, websites, you would think Telecom Aaron. Telecom well, yeah, Aaron, so yeah. He, had, he had basically been looking up all that stuff in work. Work. Okay, well then, yeah. that's completely ick. I I 100% agree. A little with bit ick because yeah. you know, obviously, like no shame in the porn, but like yeah, yeah. Have a little bit of an odd wank in the in the loose or whatever, but like don't be don't be watching <laughs> porn the, at your not desk on the work desktop. I mean, no. no, please. In Telecom Air in a family company. A family company, RIP, <laughs> Telecom Aaron. Yeah. So he had also been at his work party on Thursday, the 21st of December. In his case, he'd been at the Central Hotel, love the Central, um, that night. And he'd walked to O'Connell Street where he'd gotten food. And when he couldn't get a taxi, because you remember these are the days when nobody could get a taxi in Dublin. Yeah, he had there was decide- no Halo or Free Now. No or Halo, yeah, none of, none of that stuff. He had decided, which this seems extreme, but I suppose if he can't get a taxi, to walk home to Blanche which is quite a while yeah yeah he, he told guards that he had noticed Marilyn who'd been walking home alone and that he had followed her now what really like I think is so upsetting about this is just the fact that it was so random because the guards had initially been working off the theory like did somebody follow Marilyn but he was like it was just basically I saw her and I followed her which I just think is so terrifying yeah so so sad and he said that he had grabbed her and pulled her into the bushes and then after the assault and again I just think this is particularly heartbreaking for the family he had said that Marilyn had told him she recognized him from the area and that's when he strangled her Oh God. Okay. So yeah. So she was kind of like being almost like, oh, you'll pay for this or, or yeah, like, you know, she, she I'm going to get you or whatever. Yeah. Like Marilyn oh. from like the, you know, the, the bit that I did read uh, about her, like she did come across as a very strong character, you know, and yeah. she said this to him and she, he told the guards, that's why I killed her. So Oh, essentially, that's horrific. He, yeah. That's I awesome. mean, just terrific. So when it's almost her, like you can't, you can't like wish that she didn't say that. Obviously, you know. I know. Like, I so I just, horrible. It's that's just awful. it's particularly tragic. And he yeah. was he said to the guards, "That is why I killed her." When she said that she mm. recognized me from the area, because as well, he did have a distinctive look with this ponytail. Um, so when he got home, he took his clothes off and put a wash on and cleaned his shoes. His wife woke up and she heard the washing machine going, obviously thinking this is really weird um, because he didn't really do much around the house and it's the middle of the night. But you're not going to think my husband has killed someone, to be fair. Yeah. Like, you're not going to think that. So the next day he called in sick to work. And again, his colleagues took no notice of that because he'd been drinking heavily the night before. And bizarrely, after being charged with the murder and rape of Marilyn, he was let out on bail, lived in Wicklow. And between the jigs and the reels, I won't get into the detail because it's a bit procedural, but basically it took two years from, say, the death of 
Poor Marilyn before this actually this case made it to court. So on the 26th of January 1998, Lawler finally appears in court and pleads guilty. And uh, after, so obviously this has been like over two years later, the judge handed down a life sentence. And in 2018, he had served 20, so he'd actually served 20 years, a little longer than the average life sentence when he was transferred from Arbor Hill Prison. And generally it's believed, so I was trying to find, as far as I know, he hasn't been released as such yet, but he's probably out on day release. You know the way they have this transitional period before Mm. the lifers, before they're like, let out fully but realistically he is probably out on day release at this stage because it's been 22 years and in 2001 Lawler was in the news again when a former schoolmate of his was charged with a horrific sexual assault. It happened reports that the two were friendly when they had spent, uh, obviously they were in in Arbor Hill at the same time. So it happened reported that they were kind of matey, so much so that the guards actually pressed Lawler on whether or not that prison friend had confessed to him his responsibility for other crimes. That schoolmate, Blaheen, was Larry Murphy. No. Oh God. Larry Murphy was like a a body. Doesn't doesn't that just give you the chills? That's horrific. Yeah. So they were from the same town. They were in the same class line and they were both guilty of these horrific sexual attacks. And I mean, like... Hmm. In, in Larry, I, just, I mean, in Larry's instance, we're talking obviously yeah. for our international listener, and I have actually um, a crime land written up on the vanishing triangle, so I'm going to talk about this a bit more. Um, but Larry hmm. Murphy, because there's just so much to the whole Larry Murphy situation, but basically, yeah, yeah. he was um, thankfully found guilty of a horrendously I mean obviously all sexual attacks are horrific but a Mm. particularly horrendous and horrific attack and he went to prison for a long time but it is widely believed that he is guilty of other crimes and the fact that I mean the fact that he would have been in the same class as this guy and they would have committed sexual assaults obviously unbeknownst to the other one in different areas of Mm. Dublin and It's really, really creepy. I mean, when I read that initially, I mean, it's just the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up. It really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. But this is the weird thing then, though now with your man, David Lawler, right? Is that, so what we're supposed to believe is that it's just some random night. He's walking home. He sees this woman. He goes, oh yeah. I, and as we all know, rape is not about sex or being attracted to someone or flirtation. It's about power. And like, in, especially when it's this kind of thing, which I mean, we've had to, I won't go too far into it because we've only got a certain amount of time, but like we have to realize these days that a lot of sexual assault happens. People, you know, in a situation where you thought that it was consensual sex and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, changes, changes. But this is literally the picture that we tell people not to be like looking for is, you know, the, the actual, the guy that comes out of the shadows and drags you down lane yes. and rapes you because that's so unrealistic and so rare. You know, it's, it does happen. That's of a course, great point. Yeah, but it does. But it's so, it's so rare that like, you'd almost be like, okay, grand. I, I, now that I know not to fear that monster as much and to be, and the reason we're told not to fear that monster is we're told the monster is really where you eat your bread and butter. Like, yes. you know, 
But first, I heard to just be walking. But I can't. I'm sorry. I can't be. I won't be led to believe that this is the first and only time that he's just decided on a I'd, walk home. Yeah. I'm going to have a bit of that woman. And I, I thought that I thought the same that like, mm-hmm. as in, it's so extreme. I really, I find it quite hard to believe that he just snapped and suddenly had this urge and yeah. through oh, on got it. like it's so extreme. One child and another on the way and a wife at home and he's just walking through a park and he decides I'm going to. Yeah. I think there, I think there's definitely more to it, and I do think um, now again, just for our international listener, because we have discussed this before in Crime Land. So life in Ireland is generally on it, it's only like 18 years. It's not life life as it is mm. in other countries. But the fact and it's that actually he, so rare to get a conviction. Oh, for it's so season. well. I mean, so a so rare to get a conviction, and b uh, yeah, I mean, so rare to get a conviction, and b generally when people get life, they're usually released before 18 years as well. I mean, 18 is kind of like the average. So the fact that he has spent a bit longer, I mean, it would suggest that, I mean, I don't necessarily think that the court were buying in either, that this was just a normal guy who suddenly snapped because who does that? I mean, it's just, it's sorry, but no. Um, But no, so he, it's probably more than likely that he is out on day release, has not been fully released as of yet, but it is, it is just, it's kind of an extra twist in the tale when you hear that little nugget and you just wonder how on earth did that happen? That these two monsters were in like fourth class together. What is that about? I know, but I'm sorry to say, like, look, I won't get into, I won't be blind burka uber feminist as, you know, I won't be No, we love blind burka uber feminist. (laughs) I won't be so staunch. But like, honestly, you know, there is a reason that every single woman that you know has an experience that she can talk about as to her own sexual assault. And not every man that you know has a story of them or a friend sexually assault. As You know, it's it's not as if like, oh, there's just one guy out there doing all the rape. No. Do you know what no. I mean? Yeah. And every single woman that you know has some kind of story like to classify on a scale of mild to strong but like of a us of us 100 of a mild or strong sexual assault you know what i mean every woman has a story and so therefore it follows that every man must have some not every man but most men must have some degree of something which either makes them do something bad and not think about it again or or let it slide when they hear that a friend has done something or something like that. So realistically, it's actually quite statistically, sorry to bring it down now, it's probably, probably quite well, statistically like, possible. <laughs> probable yeah. I mean, I so, rapists I, know each other. I suppose when, yeah, I suppose when you frame it like that, statistically speaking, it's maybe yeah. not that crazy but, that you'd but have two people I'm, I'm, yeah. within yeah. that. I'm talking more technical, would, I guess, though. So. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I, I do think, I do think it's a little bit creepy, but now that you frame it like that, maybe it's not <laughs> that crazy. Well, maybe I'm being a little bit too technical about it because I'm talking like even, you know, stories of like, a, you know, a terrible, not that I'm not saying that it's not sexual assault, but there's sexual assault 
and then as in on a night out where you where something goes wrong and that's still sexual assault but then there's sexual assault and then being murdered and left in a park for a yeah week and a half, do you know what i mean so maybe yeah the fact there's that like, La- larry murphy's involvement in anything is creepy julie to be i mean honestly just there's so <laughs> yeah. that's like as in because so many people message me and they're like when are you going to talk about larry murphy but the mm. really frustrating thing about the larry murphy situation and i do Obviously, when when we talk about the vanishing triangle, it's just the not knowing. Yeah, yeah. With Larry Murphy, I think that's what's really scary is that there's just still so much unknown, and there's so mm. many really weird coincidences, etc. With Larry Murphy, and then ultimately, like within this jurisdiction, it is uh, which is completely right, by the way. That like okay, it is a case of obviously innocent until proven guilty, like it has to be proven mm. beyond reasonable doubt we can't be relying on this circumstantial evidence etc but just when you look at other situations there's just so much that comes back to him as you say he pops up in any story and it's creepy yeah. but he just seems to pop up in a lot yeah. of places so once i does, actually happened upon his name in this i was like oh he just he has that effect that even his name the hairs on your neck stand up there's yeah, so few yeah. people that have that effect yeah, he's he is a ubiquitous character in Dublin and Ireland crime, for sure. Um, yeah. But we, yeah, I mean, you, you know what? You could have a whole, you could probably have a whole true crime series just on Larry Murphy. Let's face you it. You could, 100%. Netflix. Are Netflix, you listening? babe. Listen, T.J. Carr, <laughs> Netflix, Blaheen, it's all wrapped up now. 100%. 100%. That's it. Blaheen, you're so fab. Just to remind everyone Thank again, you. you are on the socials at Being Blah. I am indeed. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter. I kind of, I deleted Facebook, so don't bother. Don't be oh, arsed trying to get know, me there. Blahin, I'm never on, can I delete Facebook? Boring. Is that okay? Delete it. Just I delete it. I haven't deleted my it. Facebook. It's still there. I've just deleted the app. I was going in there to get that dopamine release and I'm already doing that too much with the Yeah, with the and, now, and so. to be honest, nobody's really using Facebook other than your aunties. Let's face it. Exactly. I mean, ma. It's the yeah. uh, it's just the anti book, um. Yeah. So yeah, you're on you're on the socials, and then you have your podcast yeah. with the lovely Eva Connor called. Yeah. It'll be back. Um, it's called I Don't Know Her, and it will be back. We're just we're taking a little hiatus That's at the moment. That's okay. There's the a back catalog. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah there's a exactly. catalog there for to people to, to go through. Blahin, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure as always. So lovely Thanks. to see your lovely face. You too. It's been great. I actually like. This is like, oh, but now I'm kind of freaked out because, you know, usually when I'm listening to true crime, it's American. This is a bit close to home now, Judy. I know. And also know very what? current. It's, well, it is. The reason why I thought this would be good is just the week that was, I was like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. kind of, you know, even the dates, etc. But there, exactly. I know what you mean. There is something about when you're listening to a murder taking place in Wisconsin, you're kind of yeah. disconnected from it. But then when you hear about the night link and Eddie Rockets, it's, it is definitely closer to home. Yeah, yeah, sure. That hits now. So, so be safe out there. Love I you will. So much. You too. You ah, too. Talk you to too. you soon. Thanks, Thanks. Bye. Bye. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Head Stuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.